Today's episode of the City Smack Podcast is brought to you by Morton. You've heard me speak good things about Morton on several episodes now, and I will continue to do so. It's the world's most carbohydrate-rich sports drink, and it's being used by athletes all around the world. I use it. I use it on my long runs. I'm going to be using it at the London Marathon, which I'm training for in April. Uh, I use it in Berlin. I use it in New York City. Popped the personal best at the Berlin Marathon. Ran my second fastest time at the New York City Marathon. Fueling was super important, and I was able to get all the carbs that I needed during the race and didn't cramp up at all using Morton. It works for me. It works for the likes of Elliot Kipchoge, Wilson Kipsang, Kenanisa Bekele. Those guys are much faster than me and they're winning major marathons. So check it out today. Try it yourself. Visit Morton.com. That's M-A-U-R-T-E-N and use promo code CMP20 for 20% off your order. One more quick thing. I wanted to say thank you to all the sitwits who have pledged any dollar amount keep the site going on patreon that's patreon.com slash sidious mag if you pledge eight bucks a month you get access to the full episode of the sidious mag podcast that includes the listener questions and my famous three final questions um you also can be a member of the sidious mag track club which means singlets uniforms are coming out we just released the design that we're going to be using and maybe as early as next month we're going to see people racing in those kits a lot of cool stuff that we're doing with the site. We're a year old now. It's crazy. Um, and we want to continue to bring you guys some interesting articles, continue to you know, improve the quality of the podcast. I bought a bunch of podcast equipment. Hopefully I know how to use it. Um, and, you know, sending photographers on trips. Uh, we want to do all that cool stuff. And with your help, we'll be able to do it. Consider pledging. It's patreon.com slash All right, all right. My guest for today's show is 2015 World Championship silver medalist in the 400-meter hurdles, Shamir Little. Now, I feel like not enough of the track and field community knows about Shamir, especially, you know, a lot of us distance runners. I know a lot of distance runners listen to the show, so, so it's a little strange to see a sprinter or a hurdler come on the show. And Let's break that mold. And Shamir is a great first guest for that. Uh, it's the bow and the hair. It's the big glasses. It's her tweets. Follow her on Twitter, at Shambambino. She's got 140,000 tweets, and I'm sure most of them will make you laugh. So if you come away from this episode, I hope you have you know, a 400-meter hurdler that you're rooting for in the upcoming season. She's quite the character, um, and you'll get that feeling from the questions. So uh, let's start the show. Shamir, you're the first hurdler, and I guess like first kind of person in the sprints that we have on the podcast. So, uh, congrats! And I guess we'll start there. Like we try to bring like an outside perspective on all things like running. Sometimes we'll cover the sprints. Doesn't get as much love as distance running. So for you, how closely do you follow distance running? Um, I would have to say not at all. I follow. I don't like. I don't even see a lot of distance stuff i follow like the 800 because i know Aja and raven and a couple other people but that's probably as high as i go in terms of like oh my goodness i have to watch this race <laughs> so when you go to like a world championships what is that interaction kind of like sometimes between like the distance runners i know 
when I talked to John Nunn, the race walker, he said he was like really good friends with like, uh, what's her name? Uh, English Gardner. And he said that a bunch of the sprinters loved him. But from there, it's like outside of that interaction, like do sprinters and distance runners like collide too much or is it everyone kind of doing their own thing? What is it like at Worlds or like any international like circuit? I feel like I remember it being in college. It was kind of like everyone does their own things. You know, the distance runners, they're probably, you know, running early while we're just chilling in our rooms. But at, I think I remember, I remember, I think John Nunn is the one. He opened like one of the top 10 smelliest things ever <laughs> in one of the, um, the rooms where we all sit and chill. And that was, <laughs> he cleared the room out in like two seconds. <laughs> that was him. I remember it was somebody. But um, at World Champs, I feel like it's more like, it's separate, but everyone is together. I think I sat with some distance runners for like the first time ever at the World Champs. And that was because I knew the 800 guy, Donovan. And I was with, you know, Donovan and a couple people from AM and we sat with, I think, I think it was Robbie Andrews and everybody was like, Oh, it's Robbie Andrews. I'm like, who is Robbie Andrews? Like, <laughs> I don't know any of these people, but they're a big deal in distance running. And I guess I'm just like, I don't know. Yeah. So growing up kind of does their own thing, but there are the really outgoing distance runners that nobody can't help, but love them. And I think those are the ones that you, you know about. So growing up, who are some of the runners that you kind of looked up to? And now it's like the 400 hurdles. It's interesting because, and, and it just the hurdles in general, sometimes you have like those older school athletes still, you know, pushing for a long time and a younger athlete like you comes along and you guys kind of like mix for a little bit of time. Who, what, who were some of those athletes for you? Um, Growing up, I don't think I even like watched track and field like that. I just, I like the new of even though I was running, I just was just watching. There was not a person, you know, I looked up to. There were people that I saw that were like, oh, they're so amazing. And I remember I emailed Corey, I messaged Corey Carter on Facebook at some point in time. I forgot what was said. Or I may have messaged, who else did I message? I think Corey Carter was like the only time I went out of my way and messaged someone because she was just doing so well in the 100 hurdles in high school. But I don't really feel like I was like looking up to somebody. It was just kind of enjoying them. I didn't even see myself being where I am now. So I can't say, you know, oh, I want to be just like them. It was just like, oh, they're good. They're fast. I like them. Right. So we on the Sidious Mag staff, we have a couple athletes who write on occasion. And one of them is a steeplechaser, Nicole Bush. She says, and you, she won like USA's in 2013. You probably, if, if you're not that familiar with the distance runners, you probably don't really know too much about her. She says that you're probably one of like the hurdlers that she loves to watch. So now here's your chance, I guess, <laughs> the distance runners who listen to this, why should you be the U.S. hurdler that everyone roots for? Because I'm sham. <laughs> it's just that simple. I'm sham. Like, I don't know. People tell me some stuff and it's like, oh my God, I really like it. I'm like, oh, thank you. Like I do this thing where I like curl up into a ball and my shoulders go to my ears and I'm like, oh my gosh, stop. And I don't know. <laughs> people like that. I don't do it on purpose. I'm just me. And you know, people like it. People don't like it. And 
hey, I'm, now that I know that distance runners like me, hi guys, like I want to <laughs> know you guys are like you back too. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's start with how you got into the sport. I did my homework, which means I read some of your Wikipedia page and uh, it says you're the daughter to a cornerback in football and your mom was a high jumper and a basketball player. So that pretty much just settled it. The hops came easy to you, right? Growing up. Honestly, I love my mom, but when she's describing her high jump, she was, she was a little poochie. So I think she, I think she jumped like five, five. She was a basketball <laughs> person for sure. And I don't know she doesn't like get off the ground. She's just very quick and, Defense is great, and I think I, were, I I got my athleticism, of course, hopefully genetically from my parents for sure, but I think I, I kind of took it. I, I'm better at it. I hope they don't get mad at me, but yeah. <laughs> so you got into the sport really young, though. And then when did you finally like click and it's like, this is something for me? Because, okay, Wikipedia was pretty savage. You know what it says on there for you? It says, quote, none of her early youth competitions could be labeled as exceptional. <laughs> I was like, I was trash. <laughs> I was so trash. I remember a relay where I got the baton and we were so far behind and I caught the girl. I caught her. And for like, at least 150 meters. I was running behind the girl the entire time. I didn't know you could get out of your lane. And you. I, I thought you. I would get DQ. So I basically finished second on purpose because I didn't know. And my coach was like, oh, you did good. You did so good. But you know you can do this. And, like, I think about that all the time. Like, I, well, that was a good moment. But I was, I was, I was trash. Like, really. I probably... I got my head bust probably until like eighth grade. I finally had a breakout year and then I hurt myself and didn't run for like a year or two. And then I came back and you know I was good for an Illinois person, but on a national level, I didn't start kind of rising up in the ranks until probably like junior year and senior year. What's the form, everything. I, we don't have I, to fix it. Videos. We don't have to fix your Wikipedia page. Just leave it as it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm just honest. Like, I no shame in my game. I know I made I made it to where I'm at. Like, everyone starts out poochies. <laughs> <laughs> Growing up in Chicago, what's that kind of like for for track? Because right now, I so I went to school at Marquette out in Milwaukee. And I knew for those four years, it was freezing cold this time of year. There's, you know, schools like, I guess, Loyola, Maryland, uh, and they don't have outdoor, like an indoor track facility in some places. So they kind of just have to, you know, run laps in a gym or, or make do somehow. So, and I'm, I live in New York now and it's just kind of the same exact thing. It's a crowded city. You don't have tracks everywhere because, you know, even the high school tracks in Manhattan, don't have their own track. So growing up in a city, I guess, how did you do it? You know, going from Chicago to being able to, uh, you know, train every day and have access to that kind of stuff. Um, just in Chicago, there's really no tracks. I think I can count on one hand, barely one hand, how many indoor tracks there are. I do know that there's university of Chicago. And I think that kind of I ran with them. That was my first track team. So that kind of helped me and people knowing in them knowing about me. Hey, can I, can we use, utilize this track as I got older? 
And that was like the only track I went to. People, there would be, I think it was one they built closest to my house. Like, oh, we just built this indoor track, blah, blah, blah. And you go there and it's two lanes of who knows how many meters. So it's definitely tough because even when I didn't have access to the indoor track as I got older and I wasn't in clubs, it wasn't, uh, oh, you go there every day at this time for practice. It was you know, I wasn't a part of the club. I was in high school. I was a part of a new, another summer club. So indoor, I kind of remember in high school that I was going to like a personal trainer every day. And I would go to practice at school, run a couple of days, which I hated. I don't even remember even how I even made it through the winter. Because like, I didn't practice in the track because I was so bougie. Not so bougie, but kind of stuck up and I do know that we had indoor for like indoor state, which was like Bloomington. But of course, that's, you know, an hour, two hours away, I believe. So it was just kind of like the University of Chicago or I did go to Chicago State and that was a square track. And I was not down for that at all. <laughs> I think I went there one time and I was just like. Mm-mm, like we could do something else besides this. <laughs> <laughs> so from there, you know, you go through high school, that's when you start to, you know, really find your stride within the sport, the decision to go to Texas A&M, yeah, you find more success there pretty easily. What was it like, I guess, being part of a team that so much of the culture there is winning? At first, I didn't even know about the culture of winning when I was kind of a senior. And um, I just kind of like wasn't paying attention. I heard they were big culture. I was like, I don't want to go to, you know, a big school. All these I'm thinking of track people like these big buff, buff women just running like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to go there. Like, I don't know. I had the weirdest dream of going to a school, but they did. I knew about the culture of winning, but I didn't. It didn't like flatter me. It wasn't something I wanted. Like, who wants a ring? I'm not going to wear this fat ring on my finger. Like, I don't care for it. It's just going to be. I want to run. And I spoke to Coach Anderson, and like that changed everything. And I finally went on my visit, and that changed everything. Like every how I had pictured Texas A&M was, it was nothing how I pictured it. And like coming there, and I think we won NCAA's my first year there. It was just a really great feeling it was a feeling that I didn't hype up but when it came to it it was actually really fun and I'm glad that I went to a school where I got to experience that with a with a group of girls who were hard working and you know full of talent and character and fun to be around so I think it was it was a really good choice personally because you were pretty good in college at any point did you feel like, you know, there was a target on your back because, you know, it's like, oh man, she's, she's doing so well. How do we, how do we beat her at any point? Yes, I do. I mean, there's a target on everyone's back there. Like once that person is like winning, they become the person to beat. And I kind of always didn't see myself as like, everyone's out to get me. It was kind of like, I was more nervous about you know, myself than I was about, oh my goodness, this person's going to come and get me. But I, you know, I did think about that, but that was, yeah, I didn't, I try not to stress over it. It was more so stressing over how I would perform. The transition from college to pro-life, has it, like for you, did it just come easy? Is it because, I mean, when earlier today, when you 
or yesterday when we were trying to schedule this, you were like, I'm you know, let's do one o'clock, two o'clock East coast time. And you're like, okay, that's, that's fine by me. That's the time I'm waking up. And I was like, that's gotta be awesome. It's just that you don't really have to, you don't have to worry about class anymore. All you got to do is just, you know, wake up, do this interview, maybe go for do a workout later. And then there's just so much time to kill. (laughs) It is. I think I just was going to sleep the other day at like 12 o'clock or, and I was just like, the average person and you're supposed to get eight hours of sleep. I was like, wait a minute. I get like 10 hours of sleep. Like, is this life right now? Like I don't have to wake up for class. I don't have to do the early weight nonsense, not nonsense. It benefits some people, but I don't have to do the early weight stuff. I just kind of, it's like, I'm actually just waking up on my own. It's not like a set of arm <laughs> because my body is like, okay, like you can't sleep anymore. I'm going into sleep paralysis and stuff. So I'm like waking up and it's just like, it just flows so perfectly. It's just when I just so happen to naturally wake up and then get up and go to practice. Luckily, I mean, not luckily, sometimes I have like my lazy moments where practice or weights get stressed out because I'm like, hold on, let me go get some, some quote unquote, some water or <laughs> let me, let me go check my phone and it stretches it out and it takes up most of my day. So when I get home, it's like, okay, I'm cooking dinner or taking a nap, but days where it's just short and fast, just practice, I get home and I'm just like, I don't even know what to do. I stay in the house all day, especially now because it's so cold. Or I'll do this little thing where I make excuses like, oh, I got to go get this. And I'll end up going bankrupt or going in, <laughs> that tar- in, in Target, buying everything because I'm literally so bored. And <laughs> I, I'm trying to find things to do. I'm trying so hard. Uh, so, I mean, it's really interesting because there's so many people like there's other elite athletes and their, their schedules are so regimented. It's like, you know, I got to wake up at this time, get breakfast, do this. And, and I love the way yours is just like free going. Does the thought ever creep up? Cause I guess there's like always that quote where it's like, oh, it's like, I, you might be working hard. Just always think someone out there is like also working just as hard or even harder. So do you ever think it's like, man, it's like, there's you know athlete you know like sydney's in kentucky she's doing this thing and she's got the college routine going you know we've got Corey carter i think she's in la mm-hmm. oh, no she's in kentucky in kentucky okay so it's like you have you know that group all together and they've got kind of like a routine do you ever think i guess like it's like huh their routine's a little bit different than mine but mine still works so i'm gonna do me yeah i do think that i like think like a lot like some people are more disciplined than me but you know I feel like when it comes down to it like we all work just as equally hard in our own stuff and then at the same time I can't spend you know so much time like worrying about like if I do five sit-ups oh my god I just saw Kendra doing who knows (laughs) how many sit-ups with a 30 pound weight tied to her waist or something I'm like I think about that like dang but I've just made such so much progress in the past few years and I'm, I'm getting better. And, you know, I mean, it's not that it's worked so far. I'm just going to keep it. I'm always, you know, trying to tweak every little thing to get better. Just like everyone else does their own little tweaks to get better. We just get better at our own rates because, you know, we're, we're different athletes. Yeah. Different. The results show. And so it's like, you, you're kind of just like, Oh, all right. It works from what I'm doing works. <laughs> yeah. 8 a.m. work for other people. 10 a.m.s work for me and you know they're just as competitive as I am and I'm just as competitive as they are 
Uh, when it comes to an international competition, you've been you've been you know making U.S. teams since you were young, uh, you know, for a couple years now. Uh, how do you, I guess, compare the nerves of something like you know Beijing, where you know you meddled, and it's like how did that compare to the NCAs or a USA's? Because the big thing around like USA's, especially in the four hundred hurdles, it's they always call it it's the toughest team to make. Yeah, and it got a lot tougher since Olympic year. I think I got it got more nervous. Like after I didn't make the trials, not that I felt like I should have made the trials. I just felt like I didn't do what I should have done. And that was that was solely all me. And now I just feel so much more nervous because it's like I have to do I have to do this for me. Like I have to run well. Like before, even though before I used to be nervous to the point where I was like, I don't want to eat. I just want to sleep all day and curl up in a ball and just lay there and try to conserve as much energy as possible. And now I'm like, just, just don't worry about it. Cause the more you stress about it, it just, it kind of takes its toll on you. And I just try to just think like, just run, just listen to your coaches, trusting your training, trusting your coaches. And you're going to be fine. Like, even if you don't make it, as long as you run fast, it just, it doesn't, it, it does matter. But as long as you run fast, like you have, you accomplished something, accomplished right. more than what you would have, what you accomplished at the trials, which was awful. Is there uh, like on the flip side though, because the U S is so tough when you get to meet like Beijing, do you ever think it's like, well, it's like, you know, I got the hard part out of the way. Now, kind of in this race, it's like maybe all I have to do is worry about the three American women, and then I have a good chance at the medals. Like for, by default, the worst you can maybe do is like fourth if there's three other American women. Mm-hmm. Do you ever think it's like the tough part is beating the other people with a USA uniform? You don't really like it's a little bit like easier now that the hardest part of making the team is out of the way. Yeah, I felt like it was like once you accomplish trials and running the fastest race ever, it's like, no, then everything after that might not be so bad. If you just, you know, stick to what you're supposed to do in training and eating and not not letting up just because, oh, I ran fast. And when you get there, I worry about everybody. The I worry about the slowest entry just as much as I worry about the fastest entry. Like you never know. It's always a race where someone pulls one out of their butt and they, they do the dang thing. Like they just do it. And you're like, I didn't see that coming, which it, it should never be as it's going to be a surprise, but it should never don't ever like, don't, don't, don't ever count anybody out. Everybody is coming for it. You just, that's just how it is. Take me through, you already mentioned it, the fastest 400 meter hurdle race in history and from USA's last year, from the moment, I guess you're getting to the track to the moment you see your name on the scoreboard. What were, what was that like for you? Oh my goodness. It was nerve wracking. I remember kind of, there was no food around the hotel and I had to eat this nasty Greek yogurt (laughs) on the way to the track for like two days and I'm just like I need these nutrients and I'm gagging eating the yogurt 
And it paid off in the semis. I was like, okay, I'm just going to repeat this. I'm eating the yogurt again and I'm gagging. I think that was the day I forgot to eat something. And Coach is panicking. He's running around trying to find me a granola bar and and get it to the track and warming up and feeling so hot and feeling like my legs were so wobbly. And Coach is like, these accelerations are, they're so good. You're, you're red to go. I'm like, okay, coach. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like here we are again. Like I made it further, but oh my goodness. I was so nervous. And then getting into the blocks, it was like shaking. And I had known that for the past few days, I was kind of like coming up on the hurdle a lot faster. So I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. And and the gun went off and I'm running, running my race plan. And I just switch over to my other leg. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And I'm running on my weak leg for like three or four hurdles. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, just hang in there, just hang in there. And then we, I'll get back on my right leg, get back into my final race plan. And I'm finishing the race. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, like this is over. Like this 98 degree torture is over. But did you realize that, like, because everyone was so close, and you look up at the screen, did you did you know you had you, you had a spot on the team? Yes, I didn't know that. Um, I don't think I remember ever seeing Corey Carter in the far lane, but I do know that I was close behind Delilah and the people on my left and my right. They weren't like, like it it was it was it was close. It was fast, but it wasn't one of those things where you're like, okay, scoreboard, like speed this up. I need to see what's going on. I felt like I made it. And even if I didn't make it, I was just looking at that time and I was like, yes, like, yes. <laughs> what were some of the, like, cause someone like Sydney had such a long season and from, she kept it going, you know, after Rio ran indoors for the high school team, outdoors for the high school team. Like that was a season that just felt like it dragged for, for her. But I mean, at the, in the end, she didn't make the team. She ran a, a fast time. You you guys got to celebrate. The three of you got to celebrate making the team. But for some of the other people who ran fast and ran PR, it's like, did you? It was it kind of just like everyone at the end was was happy with the race and history was being made, or was there still you could sense a little bit of disappointment from people? I mean, yeah, there's always disappointment that you don't make the team, but it's like it's not like it was your fault. You didn't run 57 and didn't make the team. You ran the fastest fourth place finished the fastest fifth place finished the world junior record. Like it just so happens that other people ran faster. Like you came there, you did what you were supposed to do. It's just other people did what they're supposed to do too. It sucks that we can't take everybody on the team, but I feel like, you know, when you walk away and you have a a positive mindset, a good mindset about things that you see that, you know, I can't even be mad. I came, I did what I was supposed to do. I didn't do what I wanted to do, but I did what I was supposed to do, even though, you know, they might be the same. They might be different. And it was an overall good race, fastest race in history. Like, you're still not going to be forgotten for that performance, whether you made the team or not. How do you think other countries, like some of the athletes think about the U.S. and just how good we are, I guess, in the in the 400 hurdles? Like, is there, do you think, like, have you ever seen something at a Diamond League or something like that where they're like, they just look at you from the starting blocks like, ha, huh, I got... I got a battle for second today. <laughs> no, I think I think in the professionals, people, 
in, in that level, competing at Diamond Leagues, people are a lot more quieter. I remember like in high school or something, they were like, run slow today. Don't beat me. Like those little, those little funny comments where they're like so sure they're going to get completely demolished and they want to let you know too. I don't think that happens in the, you know, pro league. They know like, okay, we're, something, something is about to happen. Like, and they just kind of just take it. I know there's definitely a target on America's back. Like, we have some some can I curse? We have some badass hurdlers. Yeah. And everyone and people wanna beat us. They wanna, you know, oh America, those Americans, and they they want to beat us. And I, you know, can't be mad at them. And that just makes people want to work harder and makes the sport more competitive. And I love it. You said you like to, you know, study and fine-tune a couple different things, you know, with your form and stuff like that. How much do you study, you know? Uh, like other people's form like for you know a spectator it races so fast that we kind of just see everyone just going over these hurdles and crossing the finish line in a matter of you know less than a minute for you can you like separate what you do differently in your form than what sydney does dalila does georgian does like what are some of these little things that we can notice if we really study the 400 hurdles uh, my form is trash. So I automatically, I automatically notice the difference between me and other athletes, like watching Delilah or watching Sydney, Kenny, Corey. I'm like, coach, why is everyone's leg at a 90 degree angle when they go over the hurdles? But mine is that what is 180 degrees. Like, what does that mean? Like, I'm taller than these people. Like, this is not happening. Why am I the only one, like, not at a, <laughs> a 90 degree angle? And I try to do it. I'm like, I can't, like, what? I, I pay attention to it. And, like, I'm like, man, your form is so beautiful, so perfect, so efficient. And mine is just like, do or die. And I really hope that I can get that down packed because if I'm competing at a level with women who are fast and they're technically sound. It's like when I get fast and more technically sound, like I can hurdle. Like people say, you can't hurdle. Like I clear the hurdle and I run. That's, that's hurdling, clearing the hurdle. It might not be with the best technique, but I do have good technique maybe up until, you know, the last four or three hurdles. And I was like, if I can get that down, oh my goodness, I, I could just get so much better. And I enjoy watching them hurdle not from you know just trying to learn from them i just really love watching good technique you guys are all so good and like close to each other that it's like we should like hype up a rivalry kind of like be mean to each other because it's like that's a track needs we need some more track beef but i guess we'll, we'll be nice right now who do you think has the best form the best form um and if you want you if you want to say who has the worst form you can go ahead <laughs> shamir little has the worst form ever. <laughs> sure of it the best form i would say it's delilah delilah and kenny oh and kendall williams the heptathlete i remember her form from like High school. She has she has great form as well. Um, so after USA's the super fast race, you go to Lausanne, you go to Monaco, you know, those lavish lifestyles at those places. Like it's so hard to 
pass up on the opportunity to stay at those hotels because I did I did those tours I tours in like 2013 and 2015 just to kind of cover those meets and I was like I'm never gonna be able to stay here on my own uh you've you've done it before was there any part of you that was kind of like you know that race was so fast and so so I guess did it how much did it take a toll on your body to turn around and race so soon because you do have worlds coming up and did that take kind of like a toll on the performance at worlds last year can you repeat that like so you're saying like running at worlds so you ran so fast at usa's Uh then we had lausanne and monaco and they were like pretty close to after usa's to i guess to hop on a plane and race again and then prepare for for worlds like did any part of you ever think like that was that's a lot of races to before you know having to perform at the big show um, no, I kind of discussed it over my coach and, you know, my coach is not this irrational, you got to make money type of person. It's like, you know, it's about making money. And then it's about also, you know, being prepared. So we kind of discussed like, okay, you, even before I ran at trials and ran fast, it was like, you have to run, you should run this many races before worlds just to stay tuned up. And it's, it's like, they're not going to be just crazy slow They're, I mean, they're going to be slow, you know, that that's happened in past years and they're not going to be crazy fast, but it's not going to take a toll on your body, you know, just rest, do what you're supposed to do in between, you know, practice sessions and just rest, regenerate, recuperate, do all of that good stuff. And it shouldn't hurt you too much. It's not like, okay, I'm running USA trials and then, going against these ladies again I think we kind of went over that too it's like you know you want to run these races but don't don't even don't focus on running the races with the people you just came out of trials with because you guys are going to be going at each other's heads again so it was just a lot of thought going into it and I don't feel like it drained me I think you know my how I how I competed after Worlds was kind of more of a, a, just a personal thing or on my behalf. It wasn't necessarily anything to do with me being tired or worn out. Right. So how did you feel, I guess, about the London performance? Like what are your overall thoughts on how that kind of, how that ended? And then from there, how did you assess what's to come next for a year like 2018 where there's no world championships, there's no Olympics. So maybe the goal is to run even faster this year. Um. I really was, I definitely was not satisfied with my performance in London. I I do give myself props to, you know, breaking the hurdle and coming off of it and not letting that. So I remember that. <laughs> my role, how, whereas in 2013, I clipped the hurdle just a little bit and it was like, like the devil came from hell and just came through my feet and sucked my soul clean out of my body. Like I was so weighed down, but I feel like I bounced back off of that pretty well. I tried. And, but other than that, it, it just was not a good performance. It was just, just from the jump off the first hurdle, it was like everything was going wrong for me. Yeah. So, as an elite athlete, how do you take, you know, some sort of disappointment and bottle it up for like the next year and like really pop off? A fast one. I mean, it's, I guess it worked for you to, you know, no Olympics 2017, bring it at, at USA's, make the team. Now it's kind of like you, at, worlds didn't go as well as you hoped. So now it's like, 
how do you put that back in a bottle and release it this year? Um, I think I'm, I've been really good at that, taking my failures and then, you know, think, and then having a good comeback the next year. Like I've done that since, you know, 2012, fell over the hurdle, came back and, you know, made another team and didn't make this team, came back and ran, you know, two great PRs in a season. Um, And then just who knows what's in store. I'm just, every time something wrong goes on and I take responsibility for it and I say, I can't let that happen again. And, you know, I go into the next season, like just trying to tweak, just trying to get that every little, just squeezing out every little thing I can to make sure that what happened last year or the year before doesn't happen again. So I'm glad that that I fall into, I come into these issues, but I'm glad that they're different every time. And that just shows that I'm growing and learning. That was world championship silver medalist, Shamir Little. And we've got another 15 minutes of listener questions that were sent in. But in order to have access to those, you've got to become a subscriber. Go to patreon.com slash Mag and pledge $8 a month. It's just a Chipotle burrito month to become a subscriber to the Cities Mag Track Club. You'll get, you know, discounts on to Running Warehouse. You'll get discounts to the Run Smart Project if you're looking for some sort of coaching services. And we'll throw in a couple different perks every every now and then. We just announced the kits for the City Mag Track Club. Those will be out next week, I believe. Is hopefully when we're going to start taking orders. We're still waiting to hear back from our good friends at Run Guam, who will be producing the tops. And... Um, that's really exciting. That means by March, we're going to have people running at races with the Sidious Mag Track Club logo. I'm really excited about that. I'll be wearing it, hopefully, for a mile race on March 1st. Maybe clock a nice PR to break it in. Uh, but yeah, that does it for this episode of the Sidious Mag Podcast. Interview is brought to you by Morton. Morton is the world's most carbohydrate-rich sports drink. I use it. Distance runners all over the country are using it. The world's best marathoners are using it. So check it out, morton.com. That's M-A-U-R-T-E-N.com. And use promo code CMP20 to get 20% off your next order. Next week's podcast guest, I'm happy to announce, we'll be having one of the Bowerman babes on the show. Miss Colleen Quigley will be the next guest, and that'll be definitely another fun episode. I've been your host, Chris Chavez, wishing you some happy and healthy running.